Hi, I'm the host, Chip James. And I'm the producer, Katie Matthews. And if you're anything like us, you have a heart for Dayton, Ohio. And maybe you've been looking for a place where you can hear more about the interesting people and businesses that make Dayton such a special place to call home. Well, that's why we created the new Dayton podcast to celebrate a new era in our great town. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. One of the most exciting things about this podcast is it opens doors for us to talk to new and exciting ventures. And uh, if you spend any time talking to people about uh, voids or needs in the downtown community, uh, it's not long before they bring up the need for um, fresh food, specifically grocery stores, and uh, one of the concepts that has actually gotten quite a bit of news surrounding Dayton over the last few years is uh, the idea of the food desert. And uh, we wanted to talk to uh, Kenya Baker, who has been an integral part at really trying to fill that void and take the food desert idea and actually do something about it. Kenya Baker is a huge part of the Gem City Market, which will be a full service grocery store and deli located in the Salem Avenue corridor, just across the bridge from downtown Dayton. So really convenient to that uh, northwest part of town uh, that so desperately needs uh, fresh food options. We have a really fun, energetic talk with Kenya Baker, who was kind enough to take time out of a busy schedule, um, not just in trying to launch the Gem City Market, but in her own personal life and recovering from the tornadoes which impacted her home directly and forced her and her family to move out. So uh, we're so appreciative of Kenya and her time and we hope you enjoy the interview. Tell us about who is Kenya Baker and what does your day-to-day -day look like? So Kenya Baker is the Community Outreach Engagement Director for Gem City Market, mm -hmm. which is going to be the for-profit, cooperatively owned between workers and community members grocery store, and Co-op Dayton, which is the nonprofit that actually incubated the market. Okay, cool. So someone like me who hears the word co-op owned, break that down in a simple form for me. What does that mean? So that means that the workers and community members will share in the revenue once the store becomes profitable. Okay. So most of my work deals with organizing community members. Okay. And within the last year, the majority of my work has been around community land trusts, ensuring that the market doesn't spur or uh, rapidly accelerate gentrification. Uh, in that area specifically? Specifically in West Dayton. Yeah. We've seen it happen downtown. and. Talk to people, so I'm in the real estate world, and gentrification I know has like two meanings, right? There are some folks, investors, who want to gentrify, right? So they can spend a little bit of money and now that property becomes worth a lot more. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that, there's a contingent that doesn't want gentrification. Correct. And that's what you're talking about. 
Correct, because what happens is the individuals who are indigenous to that area are displaced because mm -hmm. they can no longer afford to live there. They get pushed out. They get pushed out. And that would be unfortunate because they haven't really seen success. Mm -hmm. There's been generational poverty. And so it's critical for their own humanity mm -hmm. and their culture to not be pushed out of an area because they can't afford it. Right. And that could be another form of trauma. Yeah, have you seen that? Have you seen, uh, you know, we've all seen dollars come into the downtown region. Have you seen a push for people to sort of put some dollars into the west side for the sake of hopefully eventually gentrifying it? Or have you seen more dollars come in to try to uh, maybe improve the current conditions? For like mm -hmm. you said, the indigenous folks. I, I, I believe that the former is mm -hmm. more true. Um, what we, we saw happen in Wright Dunbar, mm -hmm. the, the, a lot of those people lost their houses and they created new builds right. and they were not affordable to those people who had lost their homes. Mm -hmm. So, so the, if you had to break down the baseline goal for the Gem City Market in one sentence or less or so, the goal of the Gem City Market is to provide healthy and nutritious food to people that otherwise would not have access to it. Okay, so is it only a healthy market or can I buy some cereal and some snacks? It will definitely be a big box retail store. Okay. We're gonna have about 15,000 square feet. Oh, wow. 9,000 will be devoted towards retail and then we have a, a teaching kitchen. I saw that. And also a community room yeah. and a cafe. It's so great. So prepared foods are really mm -hmm. a hot commodity because people in the city work yeah. a lot and uh, they want to be able to pick something up quick. At all grocery stores, right? You got people, Correct. like even like me, I'm always on the go, right? And I want to go in somewhere and just grab something that's pretty much ready or mm -hmm. all the way ready. Yeah, and it's like from the grocery store. So, you know, there's that premise that this is fresh, you know, freshly yeah. cooked versus fast food. Yeah. So. That's so great. What's the response been like recently? I know you've got some really big news. Uh, this podcast will probably release after the groundbreaking, mm -hmm. but the groundbreaking's around September 18th, 2019 or so. Correct. Next week. And so what's the response been like? It feels, do you feel like there's this, wow, it's really happening? Mm -hmm. Or what are, you, what are you hearing? Definitely. I believe that it, people have been waiting to see action on the site. Mm -hmm. So... I believe that the community is really stoked. They're excited. That's great. They're ready. It's on the corner of Salem Avenue and Superior? Correct. And what, what are we replacing there? What, what's there? what's been there in the past, um, in that it location? Was, it was a building that was um, erected around in the 70s uh, by McAllister. It used okay. to be an art studio. Okay. We were initially looking to retrofit that building to make it kind of eco-friendly, but the expense was too high yeah so we decided to just demolish it and do a new build was it oh so was it this long building correct and you're demolishing it correct building from the ground up correct am i right in thinking that's dayton police it is so the dayton police are going to be our neighbors loving it right i mean won't they be in there for breakfast lunch and dinner they should <laughs> i bet they will <laughs> we would we would like that yeah. you know help for us to cut down on loss Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like built-in loss prevention. Sure. I mean, you've got a, you know, you've got a lot of restaurants and vendors or whatever that try to open near a big, uh, a big employer, or where there's a lot of activity. Um, right. 
So you're sort of built-in neighbor with the police. That's great. Right. Part of the reason we wanted to launch the podcast New Dayton is to showcase um, this new era. Dayton is no longer just like the Wright Brothers, General Motors, NCR town. Right. Right? Those things have, for the most part, gone away in some ways or just aged out. And now there's this new wave of people, whether right. it's entrepreneurs or um, community organizers, who are saying, uh, I want to make Dayton a better place. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to highlight that. That's the idea of new Dayton. It's this new town. It's a new Dayton. Yes. It's a new era. Right. And um, one of the things that really pushed me to launch was the uh, documentary that came out in the fall of 18. That's, that sort of was the first time my eyes were open to uh, this food desert idea. Frontline. Frontline, thank you. So I grew up here, spent basically all of my 38 years in Dayton. Okay, so I knew generally that there was an issue, you know, with say um, food or healthy options on the west side of Dayton. Right. I didn't know it was actually a thing called food desert. Right. When I was watching that, I was like, I never thought of it this way. Right. Right. That you can actually label it something. Now we're not the only people who have it. Food desert are in. It's a thing in all around the Midwest. And, and a lot of actually major metropolitan areas across the country. Yeah. You have this food desert, termed food desert. However, we're starting to move away from that term, analogy, because it implies that it's something that happened naturally. And we know now that food deserts do not occur naturally. Mm -hmm. They're actually very man-made. They're mm -hmm. the result of redlining. Redlining happened around the 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. where banks, after the Great Migration, and many slaves migrated into cities and highly populated areas. Um, the Great Migration brought those blacks in, and then we experienced white flight, mm -hmm. and whites moved to suburbs. And banks purposefully redlined those areas that were highly um, densely populated with African Americans and did not allow for loans, business loans, or, um, you know, uh, personal loans to be processed. And so yeah. what happened is those individuals, the mom and pops, they could not stay in business. Right. I mean, because, you know, you need working capital. Right. You know, you need need money in order to run a business. And, um, of course, you know, we had the crack epidemic. And there were a lot of different tra travesties that added and aided to, you know, the depletion and the blight that you now see, the housing crisis. So all of those factors came into play in these major metropolitan areas, which left people, particularly seniors and children, mm -hmm. people who did not have transportation right. with the inability to actually access healthy huh. foods and, yep. and, and quality foods. And so eventually people just stop eating healthy. Right. If you can't access it, then you're, you know, pretty much succumb to convenience store food yep. or fast food, which an overabundance of fast food is termed food swamps. Huh. So that's really what you see in Dayton right. is a food swamp. Specifically and, the west side. Yeah. And it's unfortunate when you see a store like Aldi's leave 
your community uh, published an article in New York Times that says they never intended to serve the African-American community, but only to build their initial foundational wealth on the African-American community and then move to the suburbs. Wow. And there is a stark comparison there between the quality of store that you get in the suburbs from an Aldi and the quality of store that you would get from an Aldi in Westtown. Huh. But it left those people without a source of purchasing food. Right. And so... We hope Gem City Market, and we believe Gem City Market, is going to provide people with that access to healthy foods. Because, as I was saying, it's unfortunate when you lose your hospital and you lose your grocery store, but um, actually two grocery stores because we just had word that Troutwood's last grocery store would be leaving. Really? Food Town, mm -hmm, they closed. And so you lose all of those access points for healthy food and then in turn you get eight new dialysis clinics. Uh -huh. I read a very scary statistic that said two out of every three black and brown boys that are born after the year 2000 will contract some form of kidney disease by the time that they're 18. Two out of three, wow. Two out of three. And perhaps that could just be a statistic and numbers on the page, but my godson actually played football from the age of three till he was a junior in high school where he was diagnosed with kidney failure. Wow. And he needed a kidney transplant, turned to gangs and ended up being shot and killed. So the narrative is sad, and Gym City Market is really looking to put some smiles on faces and give people a sense of hope. Absolutely. We believe that it's going to really renew Dayton. Yeah. So when we talk about New Dayton and its mission, we really are looking at being innovators in terms of the cooperative model mm -hmm. and finding ways that people can collectively have an impact on their community. Yeah, that's great. Have you had uh, like personal responses from people in that community, uh, whether it's walking by or just finding you and just saying, we're so ready? Yes, yes. So we've been setting up a farm stand for latter part of August and September, and people are coming, you know, stopping. We are mostly uh, sourcing like local grown food. Mm -hmm. So it's really, invigorating to have people come. Mm -hmm. We've had great response from the community. We have over 2,200 members, member wow. owners. Yeah, so. I, I read that one. So what does that mean? If, I'm, if you have 2,200 people that are member owners of the Gym City Market, that means what? That means that they've bought memberships and- Is it an annual membership? It's, no, it's a lifetime membership. Okay. And it's $100. We actually have a subsidized membership for community members who are low income that they can get for $10, mm. and those are subsidized by supporter shares that are $90. So when the doors open, do I need a membership to come in, kind of like a Sam's Club? You do not. You don't need a membership. That's the beauty of it. Okay. All are welcome. So anyone can shop there. Okay. But only members can, pro they can participate in board governance. Ah. They can run for the board. Got it. Hold a seat on the board. They can vote on major issues that come up yep. at the annual meetings. We've already had two annual meetings. Cool. Yeah, and they can receive some discounts that okay. are passed on to us from our distributor. That's great. Um, AWG, which okay. is also a cooperative and our wholesale distributor. Awesome, yeah, that's really helpful information. That's really good.
was going to ask, you were talking, I mean, earlier we were talking about the gentrification thing, and maybe this is more of like a personal question, but maybe it'll make it on. I'm just thinking from your perspective, how you mentioned like a lot of downtown you see has, has been gentrified, so people have been maybe pushed out of it. For people I'm thinking of, even me and people that I know that are kind of like maybe entrepreneurial, want to do something cool or whatever, but potentially could have that gentrifying effect mm -hmm. in the city. Like what, what would you like say to anybody who wants to actually, I read this book once called When Helping Hurts and sometimes you think you're doing mm. something helpful and it's, and it's hurt, it's hurting mm. other yes. people, you know? Um, like what would you say other than joining Gen City Market and becoming one of the members, like what would you say to people who want to actually help the people here that right. maybe are low income or just aren't going to be able to afford like a six dollar yeah. coffee or right. I mean? So I think that that's a really good question and I'm actually glad that you asked it. I think that some people do come in with like a savior mentality and you know, oh I want to help these people. Well, these people are helping themselves, and the best, I believe, the best support to provide is to accept their leadership, so allow them to lead. Because, for example, with the land trust, we need support in creating the land trust. Um, I recently went to Columbus and spoke to a group of lawyers that are embarking on this notion of community lawyering. And what they have recognized is that it has to be grassroots. Like it needs to be birthed out of the people themselves for sustainability. Like if it's going to really last. And I think that that's the most important piece. But ideas are, are great. I believe that it's important that we have ideas because that's what really births like the manifestation of entities that can benefit and, and better the community. You want um, it to be homegrown. It, it has to be. Right. It really has to be just for ownership. Right. It, it happens on small scales like this but on big huge scales too like the New York City housing crisis right now is because Russia is coming in and buying everything <laughs> right and so you got all these New York City people who can't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. I know that's a huge example no. compared to our little Dayton example. No it's funny. It's no. the same thing, though. It, it, it really is, like, ironic, because it's like the more money they make, the greater distance they put between the people and their investment, if right. that makes it, like, widens the wealth gap. Yeah, I follow you. It's like taking advantage. And the, the I hate to say it, but the system or the man, but the way that the framework is, if you know we're not careful then we'll sleep on the fact that this is actually a hot market it's perceived as being a cold market but it really is a hot market mm. if you think about it like it's prime real estate right i mean we sit on an aquifer mm -hmm. you know really it it like 
it, it's it's ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it. I mean, people are kayaking, right. you know, and it's like even just to look at it, it's like people are kayaking and biking on this river, and right. you know, uh, the uh, Five River Metro Parks is in the process of lowering the levees and just making this kind of uh, uh, utopia. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, you have individuals that are living in, you know, 50, 60 percent dilapidated homes right. that have that are just struggling day to day that have no idea because of a lack of industry. You know, it really hurt this community when General Motors uprooted. Mm -hmm. It was a major employer. But you still have one of the largest employers in the Midwest here, which is Wright Pat Air Force Base. So it still has a lot right. of value to live here in this area. Yeah, we should be known as a city on the river. <laughs> like, we really should. I mean. We are this city that has a river running through it. But when you get outside of Dayton, you never really hear that. Right? It's no. kind of funny. We haven't, I think it's coming. Capitalized. A day is coming that we're going to capitalize on it. If more. we if we can use that word, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely need to. I, I Take think advantage that it's coming. Of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's coming. Yeah. Because I see what's, what's happening in Dayton as spurring and creating a model that can be duplicated all across mm -hmm. the country. And I've asked myself, like, why Dayton? and it's always leads back to the water. Yeah. We've been having popular education classes around cooperatives, community land trusts, education, and one of the topics last year was water. Okay. I think we need to really recognize the fact that the water is what's going to drive people here. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are condos downtown that are half a million dollars. And more. And more. It's crazy. So people, people know. Yep. <laughs> it's just do the people that are here recognize mm -hmm. the value of their community? Can they stop thinking with a silo mentality? And that's what capitalism has done to us. It's yeah. caused us to think in these um, personal boxes where we don't really see like a holistic view of our community, but we're very individualistic. Yeah. But if we can start looking outside of ourselves, seeing how we connect to one another, then we can really create a new Dayton. Yeah. So how can people become a member? How can people get involved with the Gem City Market? Yes, yeah, so to get involved, they can email me at getinvolved at gemcitymarket.com. They also can visit our website to become a member at www.gemcitymarket.com. That's G-E-M, citymarket.com. So easy. Yes. That's great. It is very easy. Well, I want to ask you a personal question in a minute, but I just also want to say thank you, Kenya Baker. Community Engagement Manager. Director. Community Engagement Director for Co-op Dayton. That means a lot because I've actually, I've gotten, I was a teacher for 17 years. What school? I taught seven years at Louise Choi Elementary yeah. behind DeSoto Bass, and then I taught 10 years community charter. And since I've been working on this project, I've gotten three raises and two title promotions. So 
Yeah, I think that that's I think that that speaks to the progressive nature mm -hmm. of our project. Definitely. Well, thank you for your passion thank for you, this for, for for this new Dayton. Yeah. And thank you for um, all that you're doing with the Gem City Market. I can't wait to see it come mm -hmm. to fruition. So the uh, groundbreaking uh, mid to late September 2019, mm -hmm. hopefully 12 months later mm -hmm. or so, the official ribbon cutting and opening, correct? Yes. All right, so excited. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, share it with your friends. Uh, take a screenshot on your phone, post it on Instagram to your story or to your feed. Post a shot on Facebook. Please help us spread the word about New Dayton. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us a review. And I want to give a special thank you to Katie Matthews for producing and editing the podcast. And a thank you and a shout out to John Waldron, who created all of the music for the podcast. Also, last thing, if you have a guest recommendation, please connect with me on Instagram, chip underscore James, or email me at chipjames at gmail.com. Oh, and one last, last thing, check out the website, choosingdayton.com forward slash new Dayton. Thanks again.